0: Um, so rather than one Sunday a year listing all of our missionaries and just kind of going through them real quick, we decided to kind of pepper it throughout the year. So every Sunday, every other Sunday, you're going to hear about another uh, part of the world that we're influencing together. Amen. So that way we can go a little deeper like like Stephanie did today and like my wife did uh, a couple of weeks ago talking about our work in Ethiopia. So, amen. Are you guys ready for the word? Ready to get into it? All right, let's ask God to turn the lights on. I mean, spiritually. Well, maybe He'll do that too. God, we thank You so much that we are not a deaf and dumb and blind people spiritually. We have entered into Your glory full of light and wisdom and revelation and knowledge, full of faith and hope and peace and power. You said it is Your good pleasure. It makes You happy to give us and to share Your kingdom with us. So we thank You for the full dimension of the kingdom of God reigning in this place today, and we are happy recipients of your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Man, it is so great to be done with the battle in my own mind about whether the Word of God is the Word of God or not. Once you cross that line and you realize this Bible is God's breathed Word, then every word in it is from Him. You have then, instead of investigating God to challenge Him, you actually investigate God to know Him. It's a beautiful place to be. So I pray that uh, that day, if it has not come for you yet, will come quickly, that you'll come to the place where you don't argue with the Word of God anymore. I remember um, Alan Vincent, who is one of my spiritual fathers, he's an apostle, he's in his 80s, he's planted thousands and thousands and thousands of multiple generation churches uh, throughout India and Africa. He was an atheistic scientist working for the Kodak Corporation. He had all sorts of patents for the Kodak Corporation that he had uh, 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 originated. And he got born again. And he was reading the Bible one day and he was really struggling with, you know, the Red Sea being split in the, and Jonah. I don't know why I'm telling you this. This isn't part of my sermon, but it just spontaneously came up. So this might be for you. And finally, the Lord broke into his his study one day and said, Alan, as long as you come at my word with a scientific mind that is refuting the miraculous, you will never know me. He said, you need to believe every word written, believe every story, and believe me for every promise in the Bible, or we will get nowhere together. That was the moment he crossed the line and had childlike faith. Some might think it's stupidity or foolishness. No, it's faith. It's childlike faith. It's God's big enough to write a book and get it into our hands. And from that moment forward, hit the miraculous dimension, the manifestations of miracle signs and wonders in Alan's ministry exploded. He's raised the dead. Healed numerous people with cancers. I mean, you can just go on and on and on and on. But you've got to cross that line in your own spiritual walk. But that's not my message today, but hopefully that benefited somebody here today. I want to pray for that. Lord, we pray right now in this house that faith, childlike faith, would happen. In our hearts and our minds, that we can be humble children coming to learn from Papa God. So that Satan can be shut out and Jesus can be let in. The first lie about the word of God was in the Garden of Eden. When Satan turns to Adam and Eve to Eve and says, did God say? And he challenged the word of God in Eve's life. She bought the lie and they got kicked out of the garden and they lost the paradise. I pray that does not happen to you. I pray that this day you will say, I'm going to believe what Jesus believed. The word of God is the word of God. Lord, now open the doors, open revelation, open wisdom. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Today I'm going to pop out of our series, family, because I felt uh, inspired. There's, chrono- there's, there's a word in the, uh, in, the, in the Bible called chronos and then there's kairos. Chronos is where we get the word chronological. That is a systematic timing. So you do a series of teachings. That's one way uh, chronos works in a, in a family, a church family, is uh, the Lord breathes a theme to us and then we chronologically do a series on it and we are putting line upon line every once in a while there's a kairos and that is where god just inter interrupts and says i gave you that chronos but i need something i need to say something right now that's spontaneous and and out of the series i felt that this week i said bam so that's the way i communicate to god (laughs) he understands that so here's the word but I want to lay in today, and I, I really believe it's going to strike some of your hearts and maybe save some of your lives and maybe even your destiny in God. Here's the word Don't quit. Don't quit. I don't care if it's your ministry, a promise for your child, your marriage. School, place of employment, on God Himself. I don't know what it is that you're having to gain victory in, but I believe the Lord is saying to you today and to me, don't quit. Look at this powerful passage that the Holy Spirit wrote through the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, chapter 6. And let us not grow weary while doing good. Now, growing weary doesn't mean you're not going to get physically tired. What he's saying is don't grow weary in the concept of doing what you know God's called you to do. Be faithful. Keep giving. Keep praying. Keep sharing. Keep going. Whatever it might be. Don't grow weary in doing good. Four in, everybody say it, in due season. Say it again. In due season. Say it again. In due season. Now, who's keeping the timer? Yeah, I know. Don't you hate that? I remember one time, you know, I was was witnessing to an employee of mine and our business was going through a tough time and, and I was preaching to him and he then challenged me. And he said, okay, so if God is... If God is, you know, supposedly going to prosper the works of our hands, you know, how come he isn't doing it? I said, well, it's uh, it's in God's timing. And he looked at his watch and he said, do you think he knows what time it is? (laughs) It's never in our timing. But here's the promise for in due season, we what might reap could reap, don't really know, maybe, say it out loud, shall, shall. that's that's an imperative, affirmative verb tense, shall reap, say it out loud, shall reap, now you say that to yourself, say it to yourself, say it to your soul, I am not going to give up, because I shall reap if I do not lose heart. Look at how how it says in the NIV, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, the Bible says, and at the right time, God sent Jesus Christ, the son of God into the earth. There's timing in God's orchestration at the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Look at the Phillips translation says, let us not grow tired from doing good. For unless we throw in our hand, the ultimate harvest is assured. Now, there is a a divinely inspired painting that was made by an artist that really communicates this, uh, the Lord's message. I want you to see this. It's a profound painting. Look at this. I'm betting on the frog. Well, how about you? That's where some of you are. You just can't give up. I think about my daughter here on the front row. Isabella, she's in the 7th grade and she, she uh, joined a jazz band and uh, they, they, they threw sight reading at her, which she had never done before. And music is one of her greatest passions. And she came home and she was bawling. She was so frustrated I can't do this. And we're sitting on the couch and she was talking to her mom and she was just crying. It broke my heart. You know, I almost started crying and she's crying because of the frustration. It was way over her head. Never done it before. She felt stupid. She felt like she was going to hold back the whole band. And But it's her passion. And I mean, and she wanted to quit. That's basically what she was saying is I want to quit. Let me quit. And Hope, Tiger Mama, I mean, she's... Not a quitter. She says to Isabella, just hang in there. Just for a little while. Just try it. And Isabella just argued, no, I want to quit. I don't want to do this. And they just went at it for a little bit. And finally, uh, against Isabella's desires, her mama wouldn't let her quit. And she, I mean, you'll find her at home. You will find her on the piano. I mean, if you don't know where Isabella is, she's upstairs on the piano with a headset on. And now, I don't know how many, how long has it been since then? Uh, since school started, it's like August. That happened in August. Now, the band teacher picks competition songs wrapped around her. Because when you go to competition, you get, you know, greater, uh, greater grades and you get greater points. If the song is harder and he's able to wrap the entire band around her and giving her piano solos. I'm bragging on my child, by the way, giving her piano solos. In case in your mind, what are you doing bragging on your child, pastor? Absolutely, I am. But let me tell you what it did. It inspired me. It inspired me. I saw someone I love that wanted to quit and they were talked out of it. And now they are at a whole nother level. And now what about, what do you think that's, how do you you think she's going to apply that to other areas of her life? You see, when you break through, when you don't quit and you break through, it changes you. So there are four reasons not to quit. Number one, if you do not give up, you will be rewarded. That's what that passage said. You will be rewarded. Here's a quote. I love this. Don't quit. You're already in pain. You're already hurt. Get a reward from it. Right? Here's a quote from Muhammad Ali. You remember him? I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life a champion. How about Thomas Edison's assistant that said, how do you feel, I mean, his, 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 his his, his assistant, his protege said, how do you feel having failed to invent the light bulb 10,000 times? Thomas Edison's reply, I haven't failed. I've just found out 10,000 ways it doesn't work. Don't be this guy. I believe some of you are right there. The guy in the bottom. Some of you are right there. You used to be like the guy at the top that's just ferocious, has passion, has a vision, has a promise. And you've grown weary. And you're about to turn around and walk away and quit. This theme of not quitting is all throughout the Bible. Cover to cover. I want you to look. I want us to look at a couple of them. Let's look at the book of Daniel together. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel opens up in chapter 10 with Daniel fasting and praying for 21 days. He saw a promise in the scriptures and he said, that's for me and for my people. And he wasn't seen in the natural. They were slaves. They had been taken over by the Babylonian Empire. And yet, in his slavery, he saw a promise that he was, he, they were to be a, a, a nation that was over all nations. It was, his condition was exactly the opposite of the promise of God. And when he saw the promise, he went for it. And he starts fasting and praying. 21 days he's fasting and praying. And look what the angel says to Daniel when the angel shows up. He said, from the first day, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. That's astounding to me. You see, God is at work in the invisible. You and I have got to believe that. Don't think that your prayers aren't making a difference. I remember one time I'm sitting on my my mom the edge of my mom's bed, and she was lamenting over her my her her and my dad getting divorced when I was nine years old. And she, you know, as a mama, you know, mamas want to keep the house together, right? I mean, that's their nest. It is. Some of you have experienced this. It, it, it's shattering to see that nest fall apart. And she's laying there on her bed and she's got her, you know, her glasses down at the end of her nose like this and I'm sitting next to her on the bed. She's just tearing up. She said, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. We were raised Catholic. She said, I prayed, thy kingdom come and thy will be done every day. And it didn't happen. I said, and she, she felt bad about the way we've turned out. I said, Mom, two of your children are preachers. And she said, no, four. Because of my sisters. And one of them is right here. I remember when we led my sister to the Lord, me and my brother. She said, okay, but I'm not going to be one of those Christians that raise their hand and speak in tongues and stuff. Now, now, she's like, the worship wasn't long enough. Right? Right? <laughs> Four of my, four of her children are just on fire. Preachers, teachers, evangelists, right? It was my mama's prayers that produced that. God was working behind the scenes. He was orchestrating it. It didn't work out perfectly the way she wanted it to in the moment. But the fruit of her prayers ultimately were beyond her prayers. And so here we have Daniel's wondering, you know, he's not feeling anything. He's fasting and praying 21 days by a riverside. He's not seeing anything. He's not feeling anything. He's probably wondering, is God even hearing my prayers? All of a sudden, bam, here's an angel. What if he quit? What if he just quit and left the riverside and quit the fast and went back and got discouraged, disillusioned, bitter, angry, doubt and unbelief set in? It didn't work for me. You didn't hang in there. But the angel shows up and says, I love this, from the first day you began praying. Here's Gabriel. Uh, He says to um, Zechariah or Mary, you know, I'm the angel that stands in the presence of God, Zechariah. Gabriel stands in the presence of God. There's a a human being on the earth that begins to pray and God says, Gabriel, go. The moment you started praying. And Gabriel says, I have come because of your words. That What kind of power do we have? That's crazy. And what if he stopped? And you know who else was sent because of his words? Michael. Because Gabriel is a messenger angel. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't have his big muscles or something. Because the, the angel called the Prince of Persia stopped Gabriel. And so here's Daniel praying, thinking nothing's going on. But in the heavenlies, man, they are it out. There's spiritual warfare. I don't know what it looks like, but it must be awesome. And so Gabriel, you know, is fighting the prince of Persia. These two demonic. This is world history, by the way. When you read your history books, right, you're reading, you're reading the manifestation of what's happening in the, in the spirit realm. I mean, for, for Daniel, for the angel to say the prince of Persia, I fought with the prince of Persia, but the prince of Grecia is going to come speaking of demonic principalities. Well, when you read in your history books, you read, oh, the Grecian Empire attacked the Persian Empire and defeated them. Well, we can see from the scriptures that the angel Gabriel told Daniel that the demonic principality named Grecia is going to overtake the demonic principality named Persia before it ever happened in world history. Hello! Family of God, we have got to put on our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears and understand how this thing works. The Apostle Paul said, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual hopes of wickedness in heavenly places, and wicked spirits, I think. I just butchered that. There is a demonic regime of demonic angels that are ruling cities and towns and nations. And then there is the, God's angelic army that is ruling towns and cities and nations. And I believe it is it is based on the prayers of God's people. We clear out the heavenlies through our intercession. That's why a prayerless church is, the, is a weak church. And a prayerless church produces... Well, it does not open up the windows of heaven upon your family and upon your town, your city, your school, your place of work, wherever you are. I was up at 530 the other day praying and my son Ellie and I were talking about it. And I said, I, you gotta, I set up the day through prayer. Prayer sets up the day. It, it dismantles satanic agendas for that day for my children and my wife and and for uh, this church and other things I pray for, you're dismantling his works through intercession and you're releasing the will of God through prayer. You see this all through the Bible. So praying a lot doesn't mean you're holy. It just means you get it. I remember my roommate one time said, you pray so much it convicts me. I said, dude, stop that nonsense. I don't pray so much because I'm so holy. I pray so much because I found out that I have such a propensity to be unholy. Jesus said, pray that you don't enter into temptation. And I found out that prayer is the thing that keeps me from entering into temptation because it strengthens your spirit and it opens you up to the presence of God and the power of God and the wisdom of God. Can I hear an amen yet? Amen. I'm preaching pretty good, but you guys are like crickets this morning. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, so, he continues to pray. And then Gabe, and then Michael. Who? Michael must be bad to the bone. <laughs> he says, "But Michael, one of the chief princes, was sent." So here, I mean, how animated is this? I mean, here you've got the prince. Here you got. Here you have Gabriel, the messenger angel, being uh, stopped by the demonic principality Persia. They're fighting, and then Gabriel goes. <whistles> And all of a sudden, here comes Michael. Dun, 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 boom! There's a hole in the front line, right? And Gabriel gets through. Oh, if we could just see that. It would blow away anything Hollywood could ever produce. Michael. Woo, man. And so then Gabriel comes. And he says, i got to go back and continue fighting. I think they probably enjoy it. And, but he, answered, he answers Daniel's questions He answers Daniel's prayers. But Daniel did not give up. You think about Joshua. God told him. He's he's the first military captain and the first military campaign for this new nation called Israel. They're going to go take land for the first time. And God told him, you know the story. Go to the first town, Jericho, and I just want you to be quiet and walk around it seven times. What if he did it five times? You know, people were murmuring in their tents. The pastor doesn't know what the heck he's doing. Kid, me? My boss is an idiot. Right, mom and dad, Joshua, captain of the army. This is the dumbest military sign. It's so embarrassing to walk around. We're going to do it again tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to walk around the city and just be quiet tomorrow again. What kind of a military strategy is this? You know they were complaining in their tents at night, don't you? Nobody had ever done this before. It's just stupid. I'm sure they came to Joshua and said, Come on, really? Joshua's like, God told us to go around seven times and just be quiet. What if he stopped at five? I'm going to ask you this question. It's not rhetorical. What if he stopped at five? There would be a different story written in the Bible. There was a king uh, that Elijah, the prophet, came to. And Elijah was dying. And the king was asking him, what's going to happen in my future? And the king said, Uh, The the prophet said, take some arrows. So he took some arrows like this, these arrows. And he said, strike the ground with the arrows. And he goes, he looks up and the prophet says, oh man, if you'd done it five or six times, then you would have wiped out the enemy permanently. But now, because you only struck the ground three times, you're only going to beat them three times and then they're going to dominate you. And then he dies. Bummer. <laughs> That's a bad day, right? And you would think, really? I mean, gosh, that just sounds kind of petty. I mean, really? If he just struck it more, it wasn't about how many times he struck it. It wasn't the outward; it was the inward. He didn't have a fighter spirit in him. He was halfway. He was half stepping. You can't make it in marriage if you're in it halfway. It's not 50-50. Some of you have gone through a divorce, which is devastating. And you know it's not 50-50. It's 100-100. My wife and I, you know, when, after we got married and we realized that um, after the first year or two, it's not, you know, you know the butterflies just kind of are I'm migrating. And we looked at each other and we said, our marriage can be whatever we decide it's going to be. There is no back door. Our marriage is what we decide it's going to be by our attitude and our honoring one another. And so we made a commitment, though it's hard. We are in it for the long haul and we we are not. There's no there's no out. There's only through. Now, I hope that 20 years from now, you know, I don't think back on what I just said and And think, well, you know, I gave it my best shot. But, you know, a lot of people have gone through the devastation of the divorce and you had that determination. It takes both to have that determination, right? You both got to decide there's no way out. We are doing this all the way. Same way in ministry. 1,700 pastors a month quit the ministry. How many people have quit church? How many people have quit on Christ? Right? I mean, quitting is just in our nature. In fact, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm preaching with all my heart. You see that blood? I know, no, I'm in it. I'm, I'm, my whole heart is in it. I used to be a quitter looking for something to quit. I quit relationships. I quit sports. I quit. If it got hard, I quit. I mean, that is who I was. And then I started business with my brother, and I wanted to quit. And we put an ad in the paper to hire a new manager, and we hired the manager. And as I was training him, his previous company hired him back and gave him twice the salary. So we put another ad in the paper because I wanted to quit because we were struggling and I didn't like to struggle. I was just easy going, take it easy, you know, let's just, you know, eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die kind of guy. And so we put another ad in the paper, hired somebody else. I'm training them. This is true. The previous company hired him back and gave him twice the salary. Happened a third time. I hated going to work. It wasn't working and I hated it. I was just filled with anxiety and I wasn't good at it. And it was just, I did not want to be there. And after the third time, my brother said, I think the Lord wants you to be the manager. And I, by obeying the Lord and sticking with it as much as I hated it, something was developed in me that could not have been developed any other way. And that was a tenacious spirit. By the end of that year, I was the top salesman in the nation for this multi-million dollar corporation. It wasn't because of my skill set. It was because of the favor of God. But it was also because I did not quit. And what God developed in me was a non-quitter spirit. I just don't know when to quit. I don't want to give up. But listen, that wasn't my character. This is so important for you to hear. Jesus gave me his don't quit spirit. I didn't have it. This is the divine impartation of his nature into our weak places and our character. I still have weak areas in my character that he's working on. That one got fixed. And I think it was because he called me to the ministry. And he knows how tempting it is to quit. But now I can apply it to all different areas of my life. And you can too. You can go to Christ who did not quit and gain his don't quit spirit as well. Because He's your Lord as well as mine. Amen? And His nature is available to all of us. Francisco, one time, I'm going to be drawing this to the close in just a few minutes. Uh, Wednesday night intercession, which we invite all of you to, and you've joined the GPC prayer force and you've signed up for Wednesday nights, please be faithful. I want to see more of heaven on earth in our church. I want to see more of the kingdom of God here. And I'm going to tell you, it has everything to do with our prayer level. The more of you and I, more of us that begin praying more, the more heaven on earth we will see. Listen, there was another uh, passage. um, Let's not do that yet. There's another passage in the Bible where Elijah, the prophet, God came to him and said, "Um, I'm going to cause a drought on the earth. And he did. For three and a half years, there was a drought. Then... He came to him three and a half years later and said, now I'm going to cause it to rain on the earth. I'm going to pour a flood out on the earth. So what does Elijah do? Those of you who know the passage, tell me, what did Elijah do when God said, I'm going to cause it to rain on the earth now? He got on his face and began praying. Well, why would he be doing that if God's going to do it anyway? That's not a rhetorical question. Praying His will to be done. But isn't God going to do it anyway? If you you don't pray, is God going to do it anyway? In case there's any confusion. No! He's going to find somebody to pray it into the earth. Because that's how the kingdom of heaven comes. Why would Jesus Christ tell us to pray every day, Thy kingdom come and Thy will be done. Is it because I don't wh- why? Why would he tell us to pray if it really doesn't matter if we pray or not? Why was Jesus praying so much if prayer really doesn't do anything much? I remember teaching at a Bible college and I was teaching the students this and they were taught so heavy on a sovereignty doctrine that I could not get them to see that we have a part to play in this. The Bible says the heavens will belong to the Lord, but the earth he gave to man. And whatever you bind on earth, is bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. We are the gateway into the earth, our intercession, just like we saw Daniel praying. And so I was talking to them about this passage and they said, well, God was going to do it whether Elijah prayed or not. And I said, then why was Elijah praying? And they stopped and they blinked. And they said, because he was being an example to others. I said, example of what? An exercise in utter futility. They said, well, he was trying to get faith. I said, faith, faith, faith for what? If God's going to do it anyway, what does He need faith for? Do you see this? Do you see this partnership, this interchange? And He prayed, and He said to His assistant, "Go look and see if the rain is coming." He he obviously believed that His prayers were connected to the rain coming, even though God said, "I'm going to cause it to rain." Elijah is now praying for the rain to come. Has it come yet? No. He's on his face interceding. Do you think he was spiritually uneducated? Do you think he just was off? James, in the book of James, uses Elijah as the example of the power of intercession. The power of He says, consider Elijah. And he talks about how Elijah prayed until it rained. Some of you have given up praying for that very thing that you're believing God for. And God's saying, don't Quit in the book of Revelation. You see the bowls that are being filled up. It says it's the prayers of the saints when the bowl is filled up, then it's poured out into the earth. So he prays seven times, he told his assistant, go back and go and look. He says, I see a little, a little cloud coming up out of the ocean, the size of a man's hand. He said, all right, Whew. done. Have you ever prayed through before? I'm not pr- I don't mean pray until you're p- through, I mean prayed through. Prayed until you know the thing is done. You ever felt that before? Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's real. It's pushing through in prayer until it breaks. I've told you the story before of my wife who was laid up for five months. I think she was pregnant with Isabella. You were tough. And, um, maybe that why you have that fighter spirit now. So mama's laid, laid up in her bed. She was so sick with Isabella. I'm in the other room and I'm, I'm being mama, daddy, right? I'm doing everything. Hope's laying in bed. And, uh, so I was in the other room, and I was, and the Lord told me to start praying, and I started praying in other tongues, and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. Now He says, start praising me, start dancing. So I'm in this room by myself. You know, dumb. You know, your mind tells you you are silly, really. I'm going praise God, hallelujah, praise God, hallelujah. Because you know she's sleeping, right? She's laid up in bed. I'm praise God, hallelujah. I'm dancing around. You know, your brain's going, you are such an idiot. And I start praying and praying and praying. Then he says, now start declaring Baal Perizim, the God of the breakthrough. And I start saying, "Baal Perazim, Baal Perazim, God of the breakthrough, God of the breakthrough, God. And all of a sudden, I just, it's hard to explain if you've never experienced this before. All of a sudden, pooh, I just knew that something broke. And I walked into my wife's bedroom and she was sitting up in her bed completely healed. I had to fight. Until I was through. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You're going to fight for everything you get in the kingdom of God. Because there is somebody called Satan who does not want you to get a thing. So you need to pop him in the mouth. So Francisco on Wednesday night, um, one of the intercessors, Francisco, who comes on Wednesday night prayer, if you're on the GPC prayer force, join us on Wednesday nights over at E3, where Stephanie works. And uh, he, he, he had this drawing. He, he feels like he gets things from God and then he draws them and he shows them to those of us that are there in prayer. And I mean, they are so accurate. Every time he draws something, it is so accurate. This time he drew this picture. Now you can put it up. And it was a picture of someone that was cutting through a field and it was, just, it was above his head and there's, there's nothing in sight but just more stuff. You ever felt that way before where you just feel like you're surrounded? It's over your head. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's a, a trial of some kind or ministry, whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden, it shifted to this picture. To the right. And he said, some people are ready to give up and they're right on the cusp of their promised land. That might be you today. If that's you today, I want to ask you if you stand to your, stand on your feet. Just stand to your feet right now. And say that this was God's word for me. Whew. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Anybody else, this is a word for you today. If it's not for you today, that's okay. Don't lie in church. But, if, but, if, but you know it might be a word for you sometime. And you can reflect back on this. Don't quit. Okay, now listen. There are four reasons not to quit. I'm going to give them to you quickly because I didn't get through them. But this is for you. Number one is because of the reward. You are going to get a reward if you do not quit. It may not be on this side of heaven. Those in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, the Faith Hall of Fame, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you remember those guys? They didn't get the promise, but they got a reward when they got to heaven for not quitting. And because they didn't quit, Here's what happens when you don't quit. You develop character. Like I was talking about, I have a, a, I have a non-quitter spirit in me now that was given to me by Jesus. My daughter has a fighter spirit. She's developed a little more because she, she didn't quit. You develop character. The Bible says that when you suffer a while and you don't quit, it says the God of all grace will make you whole and secure and strong. If you quit, you don't end up being whole, secure, and strong. You end up being weak and broken and insecure in your character. It develops character. Another reason for not quitting is because you will end up being a blessing to others. In the Faith Hall of Fame, Hebrews chapter 11 They did not receive the promises their entire life. God gave them promises. They fought for them. They saw them afar off. They believed for them. They were persecuted. Their surroundings said, you're stupid. What are you doing? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the rest of them. And they just kept looking forward for the promise of God. And then they died. But then they popped into heaven. And Jesus says, man, that was awesome. And then they look back and they see that their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren got to reap the promises because they did not give up. Can I hear an amen to that? When you don't give up, you become a blessing to others. Let me ask you this question. What if Jesus quit in the Garden of Gethsemane? You know He wanted to. Bleeding blood out of his face, He was under so much stress. An angel appeared to him, to the Son of God, to strengthen him, to go the whole way. Why? Why did he decide to go the whole way? For you and me. And because he wanted to glorify God the Father. And that's the fourth reason not to quit. There's too much at stake here. You will be rewarded if you do not quit. You will develop the character of Christ. You will be a blessing to others. People will be able to follow your example. Be blessed by your blessings in their life. The wisdom, the financial blessings, the anointing, your covering, your leadership. They will be able to follow you. You will be a blessing to many if you don't quit. Just like Jesus Christ has become a blessing to us. Being able to offer us salvation because he didn't quit in the garden. And ultimately, he glorified God. Because he finished his race. And when you finish your race... It will be obvious to you and everybody around you. It wasn't by your willpower alone. It was by the power of God in your life. And you will have a testimony. It won't be a testimony of quitting. It'll be a testimony of (laughs) if it wasn't for God. I tell you what. And you will have a testimony that will inspire others not to quit. Is that enough for you? Is that enough for you to hang in there and not quit? Okay, I'm going to ask for the rest of us to stand at this point, if you will. If you're with your spouse, if you'll grab their hand. If you are one of those that stood earlier and you are on the brink of quitting. And this message is an arrow from God that just struck you right in your heart. Would you raise your hands to the people around you can see? And I want those around those that are around you to just lay their hand on your shoulder and begin to pray. Go ahead. Raise your hand. If that was you, if you stood earlier, you're saying, I'm just on the edge of quitting. I'm so frustrated. An angel came and empowered. I got a great word for you right now. I know I'm a little over time, but please let me do this by the Holy Spirit. First of all, your temptation to quit, Jesus wanted to quit. So no shame. The Son of God wanted to quit too. So no shame on you. We all want to quit at times. But an angel of God had to strengthen the Son of God. Don't feel weak and less than because you need someone or somebody to strengthen you. Here's the word Elijah quit. This is for those of you who already quit. Let me ask you a question. For those who have already quit something, and you wish you could go back, especially after hearing this message, let me ask you a question. Are you dead yet? Then you got another chance. You got you you get to live for another day. Listen, Elijah, the same prophet we were talking about earlier, that got on his face and prayed, he quit, and he wanted to commit suicide. It's in the Bible. A prophet of God that called fire down from heaven. The prophet that prayed and caused it to rain wanted to commit suicide. He was so depressed. And God, an angel came, cooked him some breakfast and empowered him. And he was reinstated. Peter quit. And Jesus cooked him breakfast and reinstated him. You're being reinstated today. You're being reinstated today. You are being reinstated today. So if that's you, that you are on the verge of quitting, or let's say you quit and you want to re-up, you raise your hand. Just raise your hand right now. Those two categories. I got to wrap this up, but we need this prayer. If you are ready to quit or you have quit and you want to re-up, raise your hand. Those around them, lay your hand on your shoulder. Now, let's church. Let's begin to pray. Come on, everybody engage here. Let's Let's begin to pray for the fighter spirit of the Son of God by the impartation of the Holy Spirit. Break through those strongholds of self-pity. I'm getting this. Self-pity in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let self-pity dictate your destiny. The reward for self-pity is pathetic. Do not, do not, do not decide that the reward of self-pity is a good reward because it's not. It's a lousy reward and it's not the destiny God's called you to. Put your foot on the neck of self-pity right now. Don't let it dictate your destiny. You speak to it right now. If that's you, just say self-pity. You are not going to dictate my destiny. I do not want the attention of others and the pity of others. I am marching on into my destiny and I will be a victor. Come against now the spirit of doubt and unbelief And some of you, the spirit of fear. It's a spirit of fear. Bind that right now in the name of Jesus. If that's you, speak to it. If that's your issue, speak to it. Say, spirit of fear in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not my Lord. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but a love power and of a sound mind. I can do all things through Christ who is strengthening me. Come on, saints. Pray for the person that you have your hand on their shoulder. This is their moment of breakthrough. You can do it because Jesus Christ lives in you. Come against that spirit of fear. Jesus is not afraid. Jesus is not afraid. I believe right now there's a, there's, there, there's a marriage in here that you've been cursed by your in-laws. They have spoke cursings over you. We break those curses in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We declare blessings on the marriages in this household. We declare you are blessed. You are flourishing. You are prosperous. Honor and forgiveness and understanding and communication is being restored into your marriage today. Joy being restored into your marriage today. We come against demonic oppression and depression and we break its power in the house of God today by the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ.